Uh oh. Hey, good morning, Victory Life Church. So excited to be with you this morning. I hope you're excited for church and what the Lord's going to do in his house. Uh, but my name is Aaron Moore. I'm the student pastor here at the church. And I just want to uh, uh, give a quick shout out to a specific group of people in this room right now. And that's our first time guests. Come on, can we give it up for our first time guests this morning? just want to thank you so much for joining us this morning uh, and for, uh, for taking time out of your Sunday morning to check out our church. We uh, don't take that lightly, and uh, just want to thank you for doing so, uh, whether you're here in person or online. Uh, and we would love to get connected with you, uh, for you to know us and to us to get to know you. And uh, the best way you could do that is by grabbing that uh, first-time guest uh, connect card on the back of the seat in front of you, fill out the information, take it to the Welcome Center at the end of service, and we would love to put a gift in your hand. And coffee is involved. I found out coffee is involved, and so it's a beautiful gift for you. Um, amen. But uh, we'd love to get to know you. If you're online with us, you can go on our church website at vlchurch.com, fill out the uh, New Here tab. And again, we would love to get uh, connected with you and to walk this journey together. Well, I have one announcement for us this morning. It's a really special announcement, uh, but we have baptisms coming up on November 6th. And this is such a special time because we get to see uh, our people go from, uh, from death to life, um, and we get to see them take that next step in their journey of faith with Jesus. Amen. So excited for this. It's such a special Sunday, and I look forward to it so much each time we get to do it. Um, but uh, literally, this is a representation of going from death to life, becoming a new creation in Christ. And if you're like, Aaron, I, I'm saved, or I, I've accepted Jesus, but what's my next step? I'd say, let's get you baptized. Let's take that next step in your journey of faith together. And not only that, but Jesus exemplified this in the Gospels and said that this is to be done to fulfill all righteousness. And so we're going to take Jesus' word for it, and we're going to get baptized. And so I would love for you to be able to do that on November 6th. You can get signed up at vlchurch.com. Um, there's a baptism banner. We'd love to see you there. love to see your families come and experience and witness this moment together. Well, that's all I have for you this morning. Uh, if you came to worship the Lord with your tithes and your offerings, you can do so in a few different ways. You can text to give. You can give online at vlchurch.com, or you can give on your way out of service this morning. But we want to thank you for worshiping the Lord in that way. And speaking of worship, can we stand to our feet and just prepare our hearts to worship God this morning for all he is? Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you, and we know that you love us so much. And Lord, we respond to that love with worship and adoration this morning. Lord, we don't deserve it. Lord, but we give uh, every breath back to you, Jesus. The very breath you gave to us. And Lord, we thank you and we worship you for all you're going to do in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Good morning, good morning all. We're going to sing to the King this morning. Put your hands together.
exalted on high. I will praise Him. He's exalted, forever exalted, and I will praise His name. For He is the
anybody here at 947 this morning doing better than they deserve? Anybody here doing better than they deserve? That's what we just sang about. The great mercy, grace, and love of God that gives us so much better than we deserve. Think about the good gifts of your life. Think about all that you've been forgiven. Think about the great grace with which you have been greeted in the presence of the Lord. You and I are doing better than we deserve because of the Lord Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me this morning so we can thank him? Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for treating us so much better than we deserve. Lord, our sins that bind and blind us are great. They're many. But your love and your grace, it is abounding. Lord, I pray that we would always remember just how much that we've been forgiven. I pray that we would just always remember just how much you have given to us. And I pray your peace and your presence will continue to be with us in this place today as we come to your word in a state of thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. All right, children, you may be dismissed this morning for young disciples. I saw your lesson come hot off the copier this morning. I'm very excited for you. I also saw your lesson, adults, come hot off the copier today. We'll see whether or not I'm excited for you. Would you turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 10? We are eight weeks into our series on the Matthew the Evangelist, as we're calling it, but our our overall uh, idea for the year, everything that we're talking about for the next year, is how we can shine our light for Jesus, how we can talk about that relationship of so much love and so much grace and so much mercy and so much forgiveness and so much better than we deserve, how we can talk about that with other people so that they may come to know the Jesus that we have come to know and come to love. So we, we can't spend enough time talking about this. We we, we would never be able to fully encapsulate in words or in deeds all that Christ has done for us. Do you, do you realize that? We would never be able to encapsulate in word or deed all that Christ has given us. We can't outgive him. We can't outdo him. We can't outlove him. But boy, would it be nice to try. Boy, would it be nice to try. And so we were in Matthew chapter 10 last week, and we were talking about some fundamentals of evangelism. Evangelism is good news telling, telling people about Jesus. And it's when Jesus sends out his disciples into the mission field, he gives them an entire chapter of things to look for, things to watch out for, things to be aware of. He gives them an entire uh, scope of things. And so last week I said there's some fundamentals for us. Last week we talked about a command, we talked about a concept, and we talked about a promise. But today as we talk about those fundamentals of evangelism, we're going to talk about four choices that must be made by the evangelist. All right, four choices that must be made by the evangelist. Did anybody stay up and watch that game last night, by the way? Did anybody stay up and watch that? That was exciting. Yeah, let's beat the Yankees. I can't stand those guys. I love sports. I love sports a little bit too much. In fact, a couple of years ago, our, our last youth pastor, uh, Pastor CJ, he, he came into my office door and he said, hey, I'm getting together a City League basketball team. Do you want to play? And my initial reaction was No. No, we would play basketball here with the guys, the youth, and the young adults all the time, and we had a good time, and, and I was all right in this setting. But he goes, we're getting together a team of the best guys from the church to go play in the city league. And I didn't know why he was standing in my office door, because he wanted the best guys to get together. I said, I don't know that I'm good enough for that. And my, my whole hesitation was about dignity, right? I, I do not want to go out there as the pastor of the church and look like an idiot in city league basketball. I just don't want that. With the guys around here, not a problem. We're all idiots, but when we get to City League, you know, I don't want to embarrass myself. He goes, listen, you'll be the seventh, eighth guy off the bench. We just need you to play five, ten minutes a game. Give everybody else a spell. I know that you can play good for five or ten minutes, and I made the choice to play. 
So I get out there the first night, and I go into the gymnasium, and I'm, I'm seeing the game going on, and, and I'm watching as the guys who were on the varsity basketball team at my high school are playing in the first game. There was a reason I wasn't on the varsity basketball team uh, when I was in high school, because I couldn't play basketball like those guys. And I thought, oh, no, this is going to be awful. This is just going to be awful. So I go, and I sit on the bench, and there's a guy. I, I did his wedding, and he didn't go to church here. I did his wedding, and I said, hey, hey, what's up? How you doing, man? He goes, I'm doing good. I'm scouting this team. I said, people scout in this league? He says, yeah, we got a scout. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and I, I said, uh, I said, I said, so what, what are you scouting? He goes, well, I'm not scouting this team. I'm scouting the guys you're playing. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I, 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 and Josh, you were there that night. It's one of the greatest, most horrible things I've ever heard. He goes, you see that guy right there who's warming up? I says, yeah. He goes, he played professionally in Europe. <laughs> and I thought, what am I doing here? So anyhow, I... I played my five to ten minutes. I got my rear end kicked. It was bad. It was bad. All of my dignity was gone. So a couple weeks later, it's the middle of winter, playing City League basketball, and, and I, I hear from CJ, he's on vacation. He goes, I need you to go tonight. Everybody's sick. And I said, what do you mean everybody's sick? He's like, we can only get five players to play, and I need you to play the whole game. And I thought, this is it for my life. I... I will die out there, number one. And number two, I, I will have no pride left. So I got there, and there was only five of us, and I looked at, I don't even remember who were the other four that night, and I said, do you, do you guys just want to forfeit? <laughs> we can preserve our dignity right now if we'll just forfeit the game. They're like, no, why would we do that? And I'm thinking, because I'm the fifth man on this roster right now, and I'm about to play 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever it was that the two halves were. And it just occurred to me, why don't you just go out there and have fun, you big idiot, you know? And I thought, yeah, I'm just going to go out there, I'm going to play my hardest, and I'm going to have fun. And it was one of the most fun nights of my life. And I didn't play well. I mean, i got to be honest, I didn't play well. I don't think I scored. I don't think I scored. But we came within a few points of the other team, and we were all exhausted at the end, smiling, slapping each other on the back. And I thought, you know what? I don't care that the guys from high school saw me playing like an idiot. And I don't care that the guys from church saw me looking stupid out here. I had a good time, and I made the choice to go ahead and go for it. I didn't need to preserve my dignity, because at the end of the day, no one is really going to care whether or not I played basketball well. Well, Jesus is going to encourage us today that at the end of the day, it's very important that we make the right choices. But, but in, in essence, a lot of people are going to care about those choices that we make. But the choices that we make have a lot to do with our dignity, but they have so much more to do with eternity. And the choices that we have to make if we're going to be evangelists for him, they're going to be hard, but they're going to be right. And if we go ahead and we make the choice to play the game, if you will, we're going to be blessed that we did. We're going to say, I'm glad that I ventured out there. I'm glad that I didn't forfeit. I'm glad that I said yes. And so Jesus is going to encourage us to make some tough choices today. But ultimately, it's for our benefit and for the good of the kingdom. So as we get into this today, you'll go, there's not a lot of good news here, Pastor Matt. Well, that's why I tried to make you laugh to start. <laughs> because the choices that we have to make, they're solemn and they're important. And they're, they're, they're going to be ones that are really going to last for eternity. All right, are you in Matthew chapter 10? Here we go. Let's see the choices that we have to make. We're going to be reading 24 through 33 out of the English Standard Version. Jesus continues sending out his disciples and says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. Catch this. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of the household? So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. We'll talk about that a lot in a minute. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, shine your light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now as you read that with me, and that's probably the first time you've heard it this week unless you've been studying in Matthew in one of our life groups, you see the choices, don't you? Yeah, I, I probably, if you, were, if you were studying this at home, you'd probably have to, have to say to yourself, I, I see the choices that, that Jesus is asking me to make as someone who's going out and, and sharing the good news for him. But the first choice is the one that I think we have the most trouble with. I really believe it. And it's the choice to lose our dignity. That, that's, the, that's the choice that we have to make if we're going to be evangelists. I might be mocked. I might be scorned. I might be labeled a weirdo. I might have somebody at my job tell me I shouldn't say that here. I might feel stupid or foolish. They might have read a book by a really smart atheist and make me feel dumb. I am going to choose, in spite of all that, to lose my dignity. See, I find it very interesting that Jesus highlights a name that he was being called while he was doing ministry. That name, Beelzebul, that's a, that's a real name that the opponents of Jesus were calling him in order to mock him. There is not an ancient near deity named Beelzebul, did you know? There is an ancient near east deity named Beelzebub, but not Beelzebul. You see, what the Israelites would do when they were mocking foreign gods is they would change the pronunciation in order to mock that god. You ever had your name mocked by somebody? Matthew, right? They are mocking Jesus by calling him Beelzebul. They're calling him a name. And, and some scholars believe, some people have translated Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, but where do flies hang out? In the garbage and around manure. Some, some scholars believe that Jesus was being called the Lord of the Dung. They were mocking him. And by equating him with a foreign deity, they're not only calling him stupid and silly, but they're calling him evil. They're mocking him. Now, we, we know that Jesus was mocked on his way to the cross. We know that he was mocked on the cross. Sometimes we don't recognize that he was mocked during the course of his ministry as he was saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus being mocked with this name is saying to us, hey, you're my servants and I'm the master. What would make you think that you're not going to be mocked and scorned as well? I, I, I'm, I'm the master, you're the servants. I'm the, I'm the teacher, you're the disciple. You're not above me. There is no way that you can execute the will of God apart from mocking and scorn if I was unable to execute the will of God apart from mocking and scorn. You catching that? Why are we trying to preserve our dignity when the Son of God who spun out the universe didn't deign to, to preserve his. He, he left heaven to be born in a manger in, in, in the most humble circumstances possible to a woman who was going to have to shake the, oh, I don't know, the, the suspicions of being a woman of, 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 of loose morals and a father who was a humble carpenter. And when he begins to minister and love and take care of people and do right by people, for their, ultimately for their salvation, he's going to be called evil and perhaps the Lord of the dung or Lord of the flies, just an evil lunatic. I mean, and we're trying to preserve our dignity. See, Jesus is letting them know this is the big choice you're going to have to make. Are you going to humble yourself the way Jesus humbled himself? I remember somebody quoted scripture to me when I was in college, and they talked about Jesus being humble and lowly in heart. And I'm like, Jesus wasn't humble, he was God. And then they quoted the scripture <laughs> where it says Jesus was humble. His humility, his loneliness of heart was on display from the beginning of his ministry. Why is our pride greater than that of the Son of God? 
Why is our pride so important? Why is our dignity so much more important than the one who spun out the universe and wrote our DNA? Well, why? It doesn't make any sense, does it? If, if, if the master of the house is, gets name-called, well, then we should count it all joy when we are name-called for his sake. We, we, need a, we, need a, we need a switch to go off here to say, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to enjoy speaking of Christ and I'm going to even get it into my mind that if I am mocked, scorned, and reviled, that I'm going to look at that and go, that's fine. Because they treated my Lord like that. They treated my Jesus like that. They even killed him. And I don't know that any of us are going to have to die for Christ in this generation. And if we do, well, we'll try to get prepared for that. If he couldn't have ordered scoring, how can we? We're going to have to choose to lose our dignity. Not a great idea to start a sermon with, but a true idea. Why is our pride so important that we can't speak of Jesus? I, I was thinking, I just was thinking about someone who came to faith who attends our second service, and um, he ended up visiting the church here on a Saturday. And there was a man here at the church who was serving, who's relatively new to the faith. In fact, I baptized him right up here in a $100 pool. So, that's what you do? Yeah. Rivers, lakes, pools. And so he came in and he told the guy, he says, I'm lost. And the guy says, well, where do you live? I'll try to get you home. The guy says, no, I'm just lost. Lost. And this gentleman who's relatively new to the faith, relatively new to this whole church thing. I said, well, what'd you do? He says, well, I told him about Jesus. And I thought, right, because that's what we do. Now, he invited him back the next day so I could tell him about Jesus. But he told him about Jesus first. Now, I'm sure that guy could have thought, well, I might be ill-equipped. I'm relatively new to this thing. I might be ill-equipped. I'm not an apologist. I, I don't read lots of books on how to evangelize, but he told him about Jesus anyways. He took the risk because he's found Jesus and it's worth speaking up. And that's my second point, and it's Jesus' second point. We have to make the choice to speak. We have to make the choice to actually use words in order to bring about the purposes of God. I'm working through a class right now on Wednesday nights with some people, and there's this incredible statement that's just so absolutely true. God establishes his purposes through his words. Through his words. But oftentimes it's spoken through his people. Now, where do I get this second point? Do I just come out of thin air with it? No, let's look back in our Bibles at verse 26. Jesus says, so have no fear of them, after telling them, don't fear the loss of your dignity. He says, for nothing that is covered, nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim in the house, on the housetop. Sounds like that initial passage that we read weeks and weeks ago. Shine your light. Put it up on a hill. Tell people about who Jesus is. This is what he's saying. But that first verse, 26, proved a little enigmatic to me. I'm like, what is he talking about? Well, what Jesus is talking about is, is that you are going to get in a position one day where what is now hidden will be revealed, what was, what was once in the dark will be in the light. That's your proclamation about Jesus. When you say something like, you know, Jesus is salvation. Jesus is the way of escape from this lost and dying generation. Jesus has given me grace. He's treated me so much better than I deserve. Jesus is the way to be reunited with God and become part of God's kingdom. That message will get you scorned, but one day you're going to be right. One day it's going to prove right. What's hidden is going to be revealed. What's in the dark is going to come to light. One day you will get to say, I told you so, unless you never told it. Now, I don't want that to be your motivation for evangelism. Don't quote me on that and put it on social media. Pastor Matt's looking forward to the day where we get to tell a dying world, I told you so. That is not <laughs> what, what I'm getting at. But you know what? When we get to the end of our lives, we're, we're, and when we see Christ, let's, let's, take it, let's take it more cosmic. When we see Christ, when we stand before the Lord, we're not going to worry about whether or not we can tell them so. We're going to be worried about whether or not we told them. Whether or not we told them. You've got to speak up. You've got to say what Jesus has given you to say. 
we got to stop being on a first date with the world, trying to look good, sound good, appear easygoing, don't say anything offensive. You know, you can be offensive once you're married, but on a first date, you got to be, got to be careful, right? It was interesting. I was watching the game last night with Gina, and when the game ended, we hugged. So we don't hug in church, like, hey, we love Jesus, but the Indians win, I don't know. So anyhow, we, we, we hugged at the end of the game. She's like, we never hugged at the end of a game before. I'm like, that's because this is so crazy. But I was thinking about this. It, it's, it was 15 years since we started dating, and our very first date, we went up to Progressive Field for a watch party when, when, the, when the then Indians were in the ALCS against Boston. That was our first date. And after that, we went out to a restaurant, and I wanted to appear as though I had money, so I said, let's get an appetizer before our meals. I didn't have money, but I was going to appear that way. See, first date. First date. And it ended up being a nice time. We shared some, some soft pretzels and some beer cheese to dip it in, and, and you know that was what I remember. I don't even remember what the entree was. I don't know. A couple of years later, we were talking, and we went to a restaurant, and he said, want to get an appetizer? She says, yes. I said, well, why don't, why don't, do you want to get the soft pretzels and, and beer cheese like our first date? She goes, no, I really don't like soft pretzels. <laughs> I said, what? She goes, I, I, I don't know why we ordered them on our first date. And I said, well, I hate beer cheese. <laughs> it's disgusting. Why would anybody want to dip anything in that? Because well, well, n- neither one of us wanted to speak up. We just wanted to appear easygoing. Yeah, it seems to be the first thing on the menu. Let's just go with it. We're on a first date with the world all the time. I don't want them to think I'm weird. I don't, I don't want to really share my views because that might be a game changer if I do. I don't, I don't want to really say who I am and what I'm about because I'm trying to put my best foot forward. I want to be cool. I want to be easygoing. I want to be like Matt, deliciously good-looking. I want all of that. On the first date, no, I'm not deliciously... I wear sweater vests. I don't care about my dignity. Long story short, (laughs) sorry if you're in a sweater vest, but um, we're always on this first date with the world, right? We're fearing what they're going to think of us rather than speaking up, you know? We're fearing speaking up. We got to get on a third date, folks. We got to get off the porch and into the foyer, you know? We've got to get moving, and to move, we've got to speak, and we have to be authentic about who we really are and who we serve. And sometimes we have to exhort with many words. Sometimes we have to just speak the words of Jesus and what he's done and not be so scared of what people are going to think of us. Because as we're going to get into in a moment, the choices that they're going to have to make are huge. But we've got to make choices to put them in position for that by speaking up. You know, I was thinking of Peter... Peter gets up and preaches on the day of Pentecost, a huge moment in the life of the church, Acts chapter 2. And he preaches this incredible sermon about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. But, but we don't even get all of his words. It says in chapter 40 of Acts chapter 2, or verse 40 of Acts chapter 2, and with many other words, Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. That means Peter had done his best to proclaim who Jesus was, and when his best wasn't good enough for some, he just kept talking. He just kept going. You know, he he wasn't worried about his dignity. He wasn't worried that they would find him weird. He saw a crooked generation that was headed to hell, and, and, and it caused him to speak. Now, I could get full of application here. I really could. I could really talk about how we speak the words of God, how we get over that fear, what we do to overcome it. But I would say just a couple of things in passing because we have two more choices to make. The first is this. We need to be in the word of God to speak the words of God. Okay, so there's, for those of you who preaching without application is a waste of time, there's some application for you today. You need to be in the word of God to speak the word of God. The workshop, which is our tell the story element of our church, is going on right now. There's a workshop going on right now down the hall where we really hone our skills in telling the story about Jesus and, and how we can do that in a way that's not you know, utterly offensive but, but as savvy and as wise as we talked about last week. We talk about 
reading the Bible with an eye towards how we would share it with someone who does not yet know Christ. Not just, ooh, that blessed me today, amen, as we read the scriptures, but reading it with an eye on how would I say this to somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus? And what would it matter to them? And just write yourself a few notes, because it might just be that you get the chance to speak those words to somebody who does not yet know Christ. I think it's also very important to get over the hump of being able to speak the words of Christ, to be willing to proclaim them while in the church so that it's easier to proclaim them without the church. And the worship that we engage in every Sunday morning is a chance for you to proclaim things like, I belong to Jesus. We just sang that today, I belong to Jesus. That's an interesting thing to proclaim. How many of us have proclaimed that in our workplace or in our neighborhood to anybody to to pique interest and to have a conversation? Well, sometimes we need to proclaim it in a safe environment in order to be able to proclaim it outside of these doors. And that whole idea of one day this is all going to be revealed and will be proved right, you know, we, we, we sang about that as well. For his returning, we watch and we pray. We're, we're looking forward to the day that Christ returns to judge the living and the dead. But not only that, he is exalted forever. His truth shall reign. That's a good thing to remind ourselves today. That, 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 that the truth that the world believes that's going to come into conflict with us when we begin to speak the words of God, that is not ultimate truth. Their truth stinks. God's truth reigns. God's truth is going to prove to be the light. God's truth is going to prove it to, to be right. See, it's important that we proclaim these things while we're in this place so we can be pro- ready to proclaim them when we're outside of this place. And, of course, there's one other factor, and we talked about that last week, but, boy, I tell you, if you pray for opportunity to share about who Jesus is, watch for an opportunity to share about who Jesus is. If you pray for that consistently, watch for it. Now, if you want more practical application, I would encourage you very much to take our next workshop when it runs in January, if you really want to hone those skills of talking about Jesus. But for now, suffice it to say that we have three great things at our disposal when it comes to speaking the words of God and choosing to speak them. We have the word of God in front of us that we can read every day. We have the proclamation of those things within the church so that we can get them down into our hearts and spirits so they would come up and out as Jesus talked about. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And third, we have the spirit of the Lord who can present us with opportunities to look after people and to pray with them and to, to, to tell them the truth. I had it this week at a local restaurant. I stopped to get some lunch, and I heard a guy come out of the kitchen, and he is spouting how bad his day is. And I thought, uh-huh, I've been praying for opportunities just like this. And God gave me an opportunity with that man who had a daughter in the NICU and who had a mother with congestive heart failure and whose coworkers had not shown up for work to help him. Talk about a bad day that needed a little bit of Jesus. And I'm going to go back and see him. I won't say his name because he's probably watching. That would be weird. Third choice. This is the choice that Jesus gives us. Remember, we're always going back to the word. These aren't Pastor Matt's cool points. These are one that I've studied and tried to bring out of the word of God. Choose to fear God, not puny man. That's what Jesus is saying. Choose to fear God, not puny man. Somebody told me I had to say it that way. Verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now that's terrifying, so let's keep reading so we don't get super scared of Jesus in a bad way today. Verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Thank God for that. See, he's talking in these final few verses, when there's a couple more to hit, but he's talking about the fear of God being greater than the fear of man. Whether it's the scorn or mockery they can give to us. You know, I I talked to a guy last year, and he'd gone through the workshop, I'm pretty certain, and he said, you know what, I'm going to start sharing Jesus with my clients, and it might get me fired but I'm not going to fear that. I'm going to do it anyhow because God's told me to. I just thought, you got kids. 
Now, there's a lot that I can say to get me fired, and I choose not to say most of them. But, but in the rest, you give me some grace. But this, this guy was really going to put it out there for Jesus. He wasn't going to worry about what his bosses would say if he began to share with clients about his faith when the opportunity provided itself. He was choosing to fear God, not puny man. So yes, in a very real sense, let me get the numbers right, 10 of these guys that he's talking to are going to lose their life for him. He says, don't fear that. Because ultimately, I've got soul and body forever. Soul and body, by the way. We believe in the resurrection of the dead, do we not? So, so soul and, I got the whole thing. The, the total package forever. He was talking to men and getting them ready for the point that they would be believe Jesus and his providential care over their soul unto death. Unto death. Can we believe in his providential care unto scorn? That, that we're working the plan of God even when it gets hard. Do you know that this is throughout movies and literature? That the God figure who is working out his plan in spite of the bad things that can sometimes happen to his people, it's all throughout literature. We've talked before about the messianic figures in literature and in movies, the Luke Skywalkers, the Aragorns, the, the, the Harry, you know. But, but think about some of those others. Think about Obi-Wan. Think about Gandalf. Look, look at these characters that are, that are working out the ultimate plan. And even though hurt and pain can sometimes hit the one under the plan, ultimately the good will be done for all. See, the secular world picks up on Christian pictures all the time, and we get enamored with those pictures. Strike me down, Doth, and I'll become more powerful than you can imagine. What? Right? And then Obi-Wan guides Luke's steps all the way to the downfall of Darth Vader. See, I just lost more of you. I have no dignity left, right? <laughs> the providential care. Yes, I will go ahead and do what the Lord tells me to do, whatever it costs, because I know I'm so much more valuable than a heap of sparrows. And I know that the hairs on my head are numbered. That's how much he knows and loves me. So I'm going to choose to place my fear in him and not in what puny people can do to me or what they'll think of me. Do you see the choice we have to make? The choice is not a choice that, that, that if, if we don't say anything about Jesus, that he's threatening us with hell. He's giving us the reality of the situation that hell is real and heaven is real and he is real. And the choice we have to make is, is to fear the one who ultimately will judge the universe rather than to fear these puny people around us who do not wish for our good and aren't serving Christ. I value you so much more than them, says Jesus, so much more than these sparrows being the them. Our trust is in God's providence, not in immunity. But we trust that he values us. So we choose to do the hard thing anyway. Final thing, final choice we have to make choose to give others a choice. Let's go back in the scriptures, verse 32. So everyone, do you see the difference in person here? We're now in the third person, we're no longer in the second person, that's important, okay? So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now, I said that the second person to the third person was important. So all you grammar folks, here you go. You're, be excited, you English teachers. Jesus has been speaking to his disciples about the choices they're going to have to make. And now he turns ultimately to the choice that all humans have to make, third person humans, not them, those who they will minister to. So everyone who acknowledges me, I'll acknowledge before my Father, everyone who denies me, 
I'll deny before my father. Jesus is looking at the cosmic scope of the choices that they make, whether or not they're going to sacrifice their dignity, whether or not they're going to choose to speak up, whether or not they're going to choose to to put themselves in position to fear God and not man, because the other folks need a choice. They need to hear about Jesus. How can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard, says Paul? Ultimately, the choices that we make to speak up and risk our dignity and fear God more than we fear man, it gives other people the choice to proclaim Jesus and to become his. See, the, whole, the choice inherent in following Jesus, it's already a loss of human pride but it will ultimately lead to salvation. The choice inherent in choosing to proclaim Jesus is a loss of human pride, but ultimately it will lead to salvation. I'm going to say that again. The the, the choice inherent in following Christ is already a loss of human pride. The choice inherent in proclaiming Christ is also a loss in human pride, but both ultimately lead to salvation. The first choice to proclaim Christ in our own lives leads to our salvation. The second choice to proclaim Christ into the lives of others leads to salvation. And that's what Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see and trying to get them to do. So three weeks from now, a number of you are going to get in a body of water right here. And you're going to proclaim that you belong to Jesus that your sins have been covered, and the rest of your life you will serve him. You've got a new life in Christ. You have been commanded by your master to proclaim to the world that you serve him. You'll be baptized right in this place. You're acknowledging Jesus before men. And Jesus sees that acknowledgement as part and parcel with our proclamation of him before men. So as his mind is thinking about, I want my disciples to talk about me and not fear what's going to happen. And I could have made this whole message about fear, because fear is repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated, but, but it's really about the choice not to fear. But as he's thinking about, I need these guys to sacrifice their dignity as I have, to proclaim even when it gets them in trouble, to, to, to be willing to speak what people think is crazy talk because ultimately the foolishness of the gospel is what's going to save people. And as he's thinking about that, he thinks about the basic act of anyone who acknowledges him being saved. Being saved. So, I know that you've probably heard it preached Jesus is saying, if you don't go out and tell your co-workers about him, you're going to hell. Because that's how some pastors have preached this. But we've moved from the second person to the third. He's moved his thoughts into a lost and dying world. Folks who need to acknowledge him. But they're going to acknowledge him through your proclamation. That's the choice you have to make. Am I going to give them a choice? that's scary that's scary to think that we could be engaged in conversations that lead other people to having make to make a choice to accept or deny Christ well pastor we pay you for that on some level you do and we give people the choice in this place sometimes the majority of Christians down through the ages have been made by disciples of Jesus who are willing to lose their dignity and speak so that others might know Christ. It is a call for each and every one of us. Will you make that choice? Will you please bow your heads and pray with me? Have you been trying to preserve your dignity rather than speaking of Christ? 
Have you fallen into the trap of trying to be a silent witness? Do you fear men more than you fear God? Let's confess these things to him today, right in this place. I would even venture to say that maybe some of us have confessed them before, but nothing has changed. Maybe just for a moment you should humble yourself in this place, do something physical to match the spiritual before the Lord. Maybe you could lift holy hands to him and say, I surrender my pride. Maybe you could kneel at your seat today and say, Lord, why is it that I am trying to cling to my dignity when you didn't cling to yours? Why do I have so much trouble laying down my pride for you? I'm not trying to convict you. I'm not the Holy Spirit today. I'm just trying to use the words of Jesus to get to the heart of the matter. I'm going to invite you to pray your prayer and then I'll pray mine. What do you need to talk to the Lord about today? What do you need to ask him? What do you need to release to him? He's already spoken to you. Let's do it right now. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge in this place today that forever your truth will reign. You are the Lord. Lord, be exalted in our hearts, we pray. That you may be exalted in our speech. Lord, I would love for 110 adults to walk from this place and each one of us lose our dignity for you this week that men and women might be saved so Lord if such a thing is possible I pray by your Holy Spirit you'll make it happen help us each to take a step of humility for the salvation of souls. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, would you stand today? It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Church calisthenics will take place under the portico in exactly 90 seconds. So I need to wake up a little bit. But we hope you'll stick around Get to know some people, say hi to somebody that you have not yet made their acquaintance, get a cup of coffee and a sugary treat, and enjoy being in the house of the Lord. God bless you.